Professor Lichtenstein, uh, great speaking with you. Yes, good to hear you. Good to, good to talk to you. What initially uh, interested you in uh, writing this book? Well, I think initially I uh, was sort of quite enthusiastic about the Clinton presidency uh, in 1992 and three. Um, I was in Helsinki for a um, Fulbright, and I'd, I'd walk over to the to the American read the reading room there for uh, with the, which had the New York Times before this is all before the internet in '93, and I'd read the um, accounts of the Clinton health care plan, and it just struck me uh, all of the different players, the 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 big un- big companies and and small unionized companies and non union big insurance companies and others. As I was reading these long, complicated New York Times stories. It reminded me of what I was working on uh, as an academic, which was about the early New Deal, kind of just the 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 the, the way in which capitalism uh, it was dividing and, and creating fractions in terms of this major reform. And that got me interested. Uh, and then later on, many years later, um, Judith Stein, who I knew, uh, who had begun to write a book on the Clinton year, and she just begun, she died and I was asked to pick up the the pieces, and and so um, which I did. Uh, the, the book is basically mine, although the, although the idea for a book on the Clinton administration as an important moment, uh, you know, was initially hers. Can you comment on the political shift away from the New Deal paradigm to neoliberalism, including Reaganism on the GOP side, but in particularly the reasons for the uh, transformation right. that occurred right. with the Democratic Party? Under Bill Clinton and this, yeah, especially at well, the end of the Cold War, right? Well, well, right. I mean, after the uh, the end of uh, kind of uh, the the, uh, the the boom of the post media post war period, uh, the the uh, uh, rise of, of 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 and the opening of many many uh, new areas for trade and investment and then also competition for labor, and then under Reagan, a kind of very decided uh, move to the right, both in terms of um, labor policy, but also in terms of fisc of a uh, monetary policy. When when Paul Volcker, as head of the Fed, raises interest rates to twenty percent, that really destroys. Uh, much of Midwestern industry, just a, a, a tremendous hammer blow. Um, now, I would say, you see, that, that Clinton himself and the people around him, when they came in in 92, they did not want to continue Reaganism. They saw themselves as opponents of what Reagan uh, had done uh, and, and of what we might call, the, they, the phrase was not used then, neoliberalism. We'll get to that in a bit. But they, 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 were, they had all sorts of ideas for um, in what we'd call industrial policy, something of what Biden's doing today, uh, for managing trade, not free trade, certainly with Japan, which was then the second biggest economy in the in the world, and then their healthcare plan um, was a uh, was really a, 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 a industrial policy uh, supported by many of the the. the uh, Big industries in America who found healthcare a, a tremendous burden. Um, Ford Ford Motor Company spent more money on healthcare than steel. So, um, so the Clinton people came in with those with that uh, agenda. However, uh, in the course of the of the administration, uh, that sort of more progressive agenda was defeated. And in its wake, in the vacuum, really came uh, a, 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 a um, what would be defined as a neoliberal agenda. That is complete mobility of capital, deregulation, uh, financial speculation of various sorts, um, and a kind of austerity uh, budgets at home. And um, I mean, there, that those people were also in the Clinton administration, the Robert Rubens and Larry Summers uh, um, uh, 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 um 
Greenspans, you know, et cetera. So um, I, and I try to trace that out and show the way in which these internal battles work there, worked out, you know, uh, or played out inside the administration, um, especially in the mo in the years, well, around uh, the, the first, the, the the second part of the of his first administer first uh, term in, in office, that was kind of crucial. Can you comment uh, on specific neoliberal reforms that were enacted by Bill Clinton, including NAFTA, Glass Steagall, yeah, yeah. and uh, welfare reform? Right. Well, NAFTA, NAFTA was uh, I view as a blunder. Uh, he didn't have to do it. Uh, there, there was uh, it was a George H. W. Bush program. Uh, there were a lot of people inside the, the administration who were against it. Um, it had NAFTA was entirely toxic, and and he knew it. Uh, Ross Perot had made it so. Uh, there were many people around Clinton who said, "Let's postpone NAFTA you know, to the way to the future and and work on healthcare first. But Clinton was in this mode. Then he wanted a bipartisan bill. He was looking for one, and he knew that NAFTA would get Republican support, which it did. But I view it as just a, simply a blunder. And and studies later on of why Clinton lost in '94. Uh, seemed to indicate that NAFTA was really the reason. That was really the reason that he lost. He, and um, uh, and from that point on, there was a Republican uh, Congress. Uh, the, another thing, another big fight inside the administration came came year about five years later when the issue of derivatives. These were the the speculative um, uh, financial instruments that blew up in 2008, seven and eight and nine, um, and really created, a, you know, the Great Recession. Uh, well, you know, what the people in the Clinton administration, at least some people, understood these were very dangerous and these things had to be regulated. Uh, uh, and I just and I described the the fight that was taking place um, uh, with, you know, within the administration on this question. But by this sort of late 1998, 99, when this fight took place, uh, there was a kind of sense of ebullience. Uh, the stock market was booming. Uh, unemployment was low. Um, and there was a sense that, you know, any kind of financial innovation was going to be good, uh, that the kind of capitalism was a self-correcting uh uh, mechanism. Um, it, it was interesting that Clinton did not come in office as a kind of Cold War triumphalist. Oh, we beat the we beat the Russians, so that's anything goes. But by the end of his administration, uh, he was something of a triumphalist. I think uh, falsely in terms of the, the the new economy that seemed to be emerging and the the sort of boom that that he had he presided over. I, I think that boom. I make the argument. That well, given they deregulated derivatives and and um, much to the uh, the warnings of some people, uh, you know who who you know and later on the Clinton all the Clinton people, including Bill himself, would would regret their deregulation of derivatives. But nevertheless, at the end of the administration, uh, there was a sort of sense of ebullience and uh, and 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 triumphalism, which I think was was really built on sand, and it would come crashing down later on. Uh, what is the significance of Clinton's uh, cabinet on economic policy, such as figures you mentioned, like Treasury Secretary uh, Larry Summers? Well, and also uh, Se Secretary Robert Rubin, who uh, who was, I think, the the more formidable figure. Uh, and Rubin and, and and Summers were a very close team. Um, Rubin, I find very interesting, and I spend some time talking about him. He came from Goldman Sachs. Um, uh, and he had, had he he made his money as an arbitrageur, uh, 
um, which is a, is a kind of um, uh, really betting on on mergers and acquisitions, uh, betting on you know whether they'll come through, whether you know where the stock price will end up. It, it requires a you know a lot of money is is bet, and you know you 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 plan and you do research, but nevertheless, it's a kind of betting on the market. And in this in that context, Ruben. The most important thing for Ruben was capital liquidity and no regulation of of, finan- of the finance system. That was that was crucial to him. At the same time, Ruben was not a conservative in 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 social uh, or cultural things. Uh, he uh, voted for and raised money for George McGovern. Uh, he was a racial liberal. Uh, he was actually against Clinton's very controversial welfare reform uh, on the grounds that capitalism was unstable and some people were losers uh, and no fault of their own. So, but, so what you had there was a con as a, as a contradiction within the, well, the whole, the mind of Robert Rubin, but also the whole body of, of Clintonite neoliberalism. That is uh, yes, they're in favor of elements of the welfare state, they wanted that, but they also believed in in kind of this completely unregulated capitalism, and I don't think the two things can go together. <laughs> I think they're in contradiction, and I think the Biden administration is showing that today. But that was what was going on uh, in the 1990s. The general perception is that the Clinton years were fairly prosperous. Did a lot of these negative impacts, including like the the financial crisis of a weight and just rising income inequality and wage stagnation, do they take longer uh, to metabolize beyond after Clinton's term? Right. Yeah, they did. I mean, for example, trade with China, which they opened up on a kind of on a basis which really was quite favorable to the Chinese and also favorable to Wall Street, by the way. Wall Street wanted to open to China because it would it would then um, uh capitalize the state-owned enterprises of the Chinese regime and make a lot of money selling stock on Wall Street, which they did. But that wasn't the same thing as as selling cars or anything else to China. In fact, the U.S. wasn't going to sell anything to China. China was going to sell everything to us and undercut Midwestern industry. Well, that all took place in 1990, 98, 99, uh, 2000, etc. Um, protest against that famously was the Battle of Seattle in 1999. But anyway, the, the real economic impact of that opening to China uh, didn't take place until the early 21st century. It takes a while to, you know, to gear up all the factories and, and get the, and get all the trade going in in a big way. And so it was only, and, you know, upwards between a million and a half and and 4 million industrial jobs were lost in the Midwest and the Mid-South as a result of that. And, uh, you know, you needed a kind of managed trade is what you needed. And, and we're, we're sort of now kind of coming to that realization. But 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 yes, a lot of these problems didn't occur. Obviously, it didn't occur under Clinton themselves. It, it was it was sort of like a time bomb that was made ticking and they and they blew up later. Obviously, the as I mentioned, the de- the the derivatives uh, exploded uh, the in in the. Uh, in 2007 and 8 and we talk about derivatives we're talking about trillions and trillions of dollars of face value of these instruments i mean um, i think something like 700 trillion dollars in <laughs> derivatives i mean this is more than the entire gnp of the world so all of this began to crash down later on in that and that recession of 2007 and 8 which all the Clinton people, by the way, Reuben and and even Greenspan and and Bill Clinton, they said, oh, we made a big mistake. Well, that 
caused enormous damage and uh, and 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 probably helped prepare the way for Trump and uh, and all sorts of uh, bad things that happened in the in the in the in the second decade of the 21st century. What are your thoughts on the direction of the Democratic Party, uh, the trajectory after Bill Clinton, including the Obama years, and then currently under Biden? Do you still yeah. see the influence of neoliberalism as very strong, and the well, Democratic Party yeah. is beholden to these like yeah. corporate interests, or do you see some positive changes in another direction? Well, um, I think that uh, uh, the the party has clearly moved to the left. Today, um, uh, you know, Biden's policies are, you know, they aren't like he's not a radical or anything, but they're, you know, you can see the a kind of industrial policy. That's what he's doing. And 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 the the, the uh, Inflation Reduction Act and the Chips Act and those are their industrial policy of the sort that some of the Clinton progressives like Robert Reich or Arab Magaziner or Laura Tyson wanted uh, back 30 years ago. Um, so that's happening today. I think that Obama is also, uh, uh, Obama in his memoir, he, he says, well, I was, you know, I like the the more left-wing uh, economic advice I was getting, but when it came to appointing treasuries of the se- uh, secretaries of the treasury and, and heads of the fed and all the key economic i had to go along with wall street because otherwise i'd lose their confidence so i appointed all these um, acolytes of robert rubin to my uh, to be treasury secretary tim geithner for example and others and so obama really is and 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 rubin had a lot of his people in the obama administration and the, you know the the i mean although obama was constrained in many ways but his failure to to get a really big stimulus, his failure to really crack down on the banks, and he could have done that. They were in terrible shape and, and terrible odor, um, I think is a continuation of a Clintonism. I would say this, though, that uh, the Obama people learned a lot from Clinton's failure in the in the healthcare um, uh, world, and they, uh, they basically, you know, took Clinton's failure as a blueprint and said, we're not going to do all that. And they, for example cut their deals with big pharma and they and they they cut their deals with um with uh uh many of the other um uh players and 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 as a result um they got it through they got it through is there anything else about this uh book or these topics that you'd like to add um well i i, I mean i think that um uh we have to see uh pol- you know, economic policy and and the presidents and others who who advocated and who were proposed it have to see them in a certain context. They they can't escape the moment of their time, and Clinton is in some ways trapped by a a, a moment in which the ideas put forward by a a Robert Rubin or a Larry Summers or others just seem to have more potency and power. And also a period when the labor movement was extraordinarily weak, both in terms of, of kind of just, you know, uh, political economic strength and also, and even more so just attractiveness. The, the labor movement was, you know, seen as a pro, you know, cold war and, and white men and, and just not, in, not, not, you know, uh, interesting and, and, and certainly not progressive. Well, things change. And so Biden, who was very much a kind of orthodox Clintonite 30 years ago, well, today uh, he is, in fact, uh, one of the more 
uh, progressive presidents we've had, uh, certainly in line with, um, if not FDR, uh, LBJ, at least when it comes to domestic uh, political, uh, economic and and political reform. So, so you know, um, uh, history uh, is is not just the history of great men. <laughs> it's a history of great men in context. And that's what I'm trying to show in this book, A Fabulous Failure. And do you want to promote your talk at the UCSB Library on October 10th? Yes, I'm delighted that uh, uh, people can uh, can come and and uh, and I'll give us a brief summary of of the of my book, but also I'll talk about the current labor scene, which uh, is very exciting and I think very interesting and, and is opening up all sorts of opportunities for a transformed America. And uh, then I obviously ask answer any questions they might have people might have. So I think it's it's yes, it's October tenth uh, at the library. What is that on the eighth floor? I think there's a the a room up there. So I look forward to um, having as many people as possible come and we can talk about all this. Thank you, Professor Lichtenstein uh, with uh, KCSB News. Uh, this is Robert Stark. You're welcome. Delighted to Thank be you. here.